We're going to have a little group participation here for just a moment. And uh, I'm preaching a sermon this morning called Faith When You Feel Unworthy. And I want you to think of somebody, uh, somebody living whom you feel like it would be, you would just totally feel unworthy to have them come in your house. Somebody that you would feel completely unworthy to have uh, come in your house. Kind of like these guys. Go to the next slide. You know, we're not worthy. We're not. Wayne's World, anyone? Thank you. Um, For me, personally, I would totally feel unworthy to have Martha Stewart come in my house. Some of you have been in my house, and you know why I would feel the, I don't know, yeah. Where's your trinkets and your knickknacks? So who would you, group participation, raise your hand. If you got somebody that you feel like you would have be unworthy, you would feel unworthy to have them come in your house. Anyone want to participate? Oh, back there. David's going to do the group participation microphone thing. I'll have to go with Sean. Me? Martha, man, Martha Stewart. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought. All right. Anybody else? Anyone you feel would have unworthy come in your house. Albert. Uh, he's not alive anymore, but Ansel Adams, the photographer. Okay. Ansel Adams. Yeah. Debbie. Bono. Bono from U2. There you go. Rob Deerdeck and Big Black from Fantasy Factory. Okay. David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Don't hassle the Hoff, man. Okay. Anybody up in the balcony want to shout one out? Anybody feel unworthy to have someone come in their house? Who would you have un- feel unworthy to have come in your house? Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. Okay. Where's your antlers? Right. Anybody else? Go ahead. Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Yeah. Rapper extraordinaire, in some people's opinion. Okay. One more. Adina Menzel. Okay. Broadway. Okay. Thank you. Because I have no idea who that is. All right. One last one. Anyone? Jesus. Jesus. He is alive. At least we say that every Easter, right? Um, you know, when you think about this idea of being worthy, I, I think back to a story in the New Testament that happened to Jesus um, about a guy who felt unworthy. And sometimes, let's face it, we feel unworthy when it comes to going to church, when it comes to reading our Bibles, when it comes to spending time with other Christians. We may feel unworthy. How have you ever felt? Have you ever just felt unworthy? It's, a, it's not a good feeling. It's, it's, it's not enjoyable to feel unworthy as though, you know, you're just not good enough, that you just don't measure up in one way or another, and you just feel unworthy. Well, today we're talking, uh, we've been talking on Sunday mornings about taking a leap. We've been talking about stories of faith from the Bible, different stories where people demonstrated great faith, some who demonstrated not so great faith. And today we're going to talk about a guy, kind of an outsider, someone who felt unworthy, who actually had great faith. 
In fact, his faith was so remarkable that Jesus said, I have not found anyone with such great faith. This is a, this is a guy who has a lot of faith. And he wasn't part of God's people. That's the interesting thing. He wasn't someone who belonged to the religious establishment. He wasn't a teacher of the law. He wasn't an elder. He wasn't a a priest. He was kind of a nobody to the Jews. But to the Romans, he was a somebody. But to Jesus, he had great faith. We're talking about faith when we feel unworthy. And, and again, this feeling is, is not a, a good one. It's not one that's enjoyable. It's kind of, you feel down in the dumps. You don't feel very good about yourself because of maybe something you've done, something you've said, somewhere you've been, the way you look, the way you dress, where you live, the car you drive. There's all kinds of ways in, in life that we feel unworthy. And sometimes we really feel unworthy of God. In fact, it may be all the time you feel unworthy of God. And you think, why could God, how could God, why would God ever want to help me? Why would God ever forgive me? Why would God even love me? I'm just not worthy of it. And it's hard to have faith in those times when we feel unworthy. It's hard to believe that God would want to help us, would want to forgive us, would want to love us. So today we're talking about faith when we feel unworthy. If you have a Bible, if you can grab one, turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 as we talk about faith when you feel unworthy. In Luke chapter 7, we see a man who has remarkable great faith. But he didn't feel worthy of Jesus, even though others felt differently. There were some who believed this man is worthy of Jesus. He deserves Jesus' help. Jesus had just finished preaching a, a sermon called the Sermon on the Plain in Luke chapter 6. It's very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, except it took place on a, on a flat land, on a plain. Not on a plain, but on a plain. So Jesus preaches this sermon, very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, but takes place at a different time, and it's a little bit shorter. And Jesus and his disciples enter the region of Capernaum, enter the town of Capernaum which is along the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, is a town of about 1,500 people. This is the town of where uh, Matthew was from, where Peter and Andrew were from, James and John were from. This is where Jesus did a lot of ministry. He called his first disciples there, those who were fishermen. It was a fishing village. And as they enter Capernaum, Jesus and his disciples are met by some of the elders of the Jews. And they come to Jesus with a problem. It seems that the Roman centurion of Capernaum had a slave who was terminally ill. And so Jesus and his disciples, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Jewish leaders come to him and they say, this man deserves to have you come and heal his servant. And, and listen to this in Luke chapter 7. Verse 4 says, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Roman centurions were leaders in the Roman army. They had about a, they, they were called a centurion uh, from the word we get, you know, same word, century, a hundred. They had a hundred soldiers under their command. 
It was actually, in, in practicality, it was probably closer to 60 to 80 soldiers, but they rounded up a little bit, as you know, military leaders will do. They rounded up a little bit to 100, and they, were, they had a, a, a large group of soldiers under their command. They were also quite wealthy. And we understand from this passage that the Jewish leaders say, this man built our synagogue for us. He financed their synagogue. So you have this wealthy centurion who has a slave who is terminally ill, and this is someone that he really cares for. His, uh, this, this slave was very dear to the centurion. And so Jesus goes with them. I love what the, the Jewish leaders say. This man deserves to have you do this. He's worthy of you. He is worthy. He deserves to have you do this. So Jesus goes with them. Um, in Luke chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, we see that a second group of emissaries comes. These are friends of the centurion. Perhaps the Jewish leaders uh, misrepresented the centurion's desires. Perhaps they misrepresented the centurion and, and the message they sent because they have a different message for Jesus in verses 6 and 7. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. See, the, the Jews believe that this man, that uh, Jesus was worthy, that this man was worthy to have Jesus come to his house. But the centurion did not believe that at all. The centurion says, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Now, in those days, that would have been breaking socio-religious custom. See, Jews were not allowed to associate with Gentiles, and this Roman centurion was definitely a Gentile. And he would not, Jesus would not, according to Jewish law, had not even, would not even be allowed to go into his house. But see, Jesus didn't care much for socio-religious customs. In fact, two chapters earlier in, in, Romans, uh, in Luke chapter 5, we see that um, Jesus broke socio-religious custom by touching a leper, someone who was unclean. He touched the leper and healed him. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus does something to break socio-religious custom once again when he heals a man on the Sabbath and his disciples and he and his disciples picked grain on the Sabbath. They were working on the Sabbath and the religious establishment were losing their minds that this guy named Jesus who kept doing these things that kept disobeying their man-made laws, their man-made precepts because people were more important to Jesus than precepts. So... Jesus is on his way there. The friends come and say, he, is not, he does not feel worthy to have you even come to his house. But if you say the word, he will be healed. And then the, the Roman centurion explains what he means by that. In verses uh, 8 and 9, he says, I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. See, he believed that Jesus could say the words even from afar. They're far away from the house. And yet all Jesus had to do was speak. Why? Authority. Jesus had authority. This centurion had heard of him and believed that he had the authority to heal even from afar, that he could heal his slave, that he could walk on water, that he could calm the seas. This man, this centurion, believed that Jesus had authority. 
He believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And believed it so deeply, had such deep faith that that he knew. He knew that he could heal him. He has such great faith that Jesus remarks on it, that he is amazed at this man's faith and says, no one else out of God's people, the Jews, they don't even have the faith that this man has. He had great faith, even though he felt unworthy. Like I said, it can be hard to have faith when we feel unworthy. You know, we feel the same way sometimes. Maybe most of the time you feel unworthy. Like, why would God bother to help me? Why would God bother to forgive me? Why would God bother to love me? That's what the centurion, don't trouble yourself with me. Don't trouble yourself by walking across town and coming into my house. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Yet he had great faith. We don't feel worthy of the Son of God. We don't feel worthy of Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the the water walker, the storm calmer. We don't feel worthy of God. We don't feel worthy of Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We feel unworthy of His help. That's the first blank on your outline. You have a handy-dandy outline on page 3 of your bulletin. And the first blank is we feel unworthy of His help. We want to say to Jesus what the centurion said. Don't trouble yourself. I'm not worthy. Don't trouble yourself. I don't deserve it. Because we, uh, when we take a, a sober look at ourselves, when we take a look at ourselves and we realize, I am not worthy. We sin and we sin and we sin. We don't give like we should. We don't pray like we should. We don't read our Bibles like we should. We don't live the way we should. We think things that we shouldn't think. We do things that we shouldn't do. We say things that we shouldn't say. And we feel so unworthy why would God even bother to help me? Why I, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it at all. I don't, I don't even think about God like I should. I don't even think about Jesus like I should. I, I, I give him a little bit of lip service on a Sunday morning. And when we take a real honest look at ourselves and realize that we don't, we're not worthy. We don't deserve it. We feel unworthy just like the centurion. We feel unworthy of his help. We feel unworthy of his forgiveness. We feel unworthy of God's forgiveness. Why should he forgive me? When over and over and over again, these, these things that I do, these things that I think, we believe that we are not worthy of his forgiveness. That's the second blank on your outline. We feel unworthy of his forgiveness. We believe what the Bible says about us. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul wrote, "For the, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned and falls short of God's glory. Everyone sins and misses the mark. Everyone sins and, and doesn't do what they're supposed to. Everyone sins and does what they're not supposed to do. Everyone is a sinner. We look around us and we see so much evil and, and, and hate and ugliness in the world. And yeah, we'll agree with that. Romans 3.23 is true. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, including us, including me, including you. You know, we... We think, I'm just not worthy. I'm such a, a wretched sinner. And the funny thing is, we'll look at other people. We'll look around. I'm looking at you right now. I'll look around and go, man, they are such a good Christian. They have got it together. They have their act together. 
They, they really love God. They really love Jesus. They're so much better than I am. And so we, we feel so unworthy. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. We feel so bad about ourselves. We think we're like Paul. What did Paul call himself? The chief of sinners. And we think, I'm giving Paul a run for his money when it comes to being the chief of sinners. If Paul's number one, if he's the worst sinner who ever lived, which he claimed to be, if he is the chief of sinners, then I've got to be number two on that list. Like I said, we'll look around and we'll see other people go, wow, man, they've really got it together. But me, I'm a wretched sinner. I am the Bible. What the Bible says is true about me. I am a I'm a terrible sinner. Romans 6, 23, we learn what God says about sin and that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, as it says in the first half of Romans 6, 23. And we get to Psalm chapter 108. Listen to Psalm 108. I'm sorry, Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Psalm 103.10. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. What do our sins deserve? Romans 6.23. The wages of sin, what we earn, what we deserve is death. But he does not treat us as our sins deserve, as it says in Romans in Psalm 103.10. He does not treat us. He does not repay us according to our iniquities. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Instead, what do we get in Romans, the second half of Romans 6.23? Romans 6.23b says... The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We don't deserve his forgiveness. We, we don't deserve his, his mercy. We don't deserve his grace. We deserve death. We deserve hell. But what do we get instead? We do not get treated as our sins deserve. We get the gift of God, this wonderful free gift of his grace that is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've said, no matter what we've thought... No matter what we've done, that gift is available. That wonderful gift of forgiveness is available. We don't deserve it. We feel unworthy of it. I don't deserve this gift, yet the gift is available for all of us. That is what makes grace so amazing. Have you ever thought thought about it? You know, we'll sing the song, Amazing Grace on a Sunday morning, How Sweet the Sound, Saved a Wretch Like Me. I'm a wretch. Sean, you're the preacher. I'm a, I'm, I'm a preaching wretch. I'm a wretched sinner like you. You're a wretched sinner like me. And yet it's God's amazing grace, this amazing free gift of his love that says, I'll forgive you, even though you don't deserve it. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. The third blank on your outline is really what it's all about. We feel unworthy of his love. We feel like we don't deserve to be loved by God. We're not worthy of his love. But it is his love that brings his forgiveness. It is his love that brings his help. We feel so unlovable. Have you ever felt unlovable? 
Nobody, just me. I'm not worthy of love. Whether it's from another person, whether it's from God, I'm not worthy of love. Why? Because I'm a sinner. Because I've fallen short, because I've missed the mark, because I've done the things and I've, I've said the things and I've thought the things and I just, I don't understand why I do it. I feel like, like Paul when he wrote in Romans that the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. And I don't understand what's going on inside of my head. I don't understand why I do these terrible things. I don't understand. I know what I'm supposed to do. How, if you have a child, you, you, see, you see this in action. You tell your kid, don't do this. And they do it anyway. Why did you do that? I don't know. What happens if you do that? I get a spanking. Why did you do it? I don't know. And God could say the same thing to us. Why did you do that? I don't know. Are you supposed to do that? No. Why did you do it? I don't know. I'm a sinner. It's what I do. And because I'm a sinner, I can feel so unworthy, so unlovable, so unworthy of his love. And then I think of a story from Luke chapter 15. The story of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, this prodigal son, this guy, this comes to his dad and says, Dad, I want my inheritance. And he takes his inheritance and he goes to a foreign land and he squanders it in riotous living. Wine, women, and song. He just blows it all. Basically, he went to college. Blows all his dad's money. So he goes away. He blows all his dad's money. And then he, and he's, he's feeding pigs one day. And he's like, these pigs are eating better than I am. My life is miserable. I, I know what I'll do. I'll go home to dad. And I'll just ask him to hire me as one of his slaves, as one of his servants. I'll go home to dad. And I'll see if he'll even hire me and let me be one of his servants. Luke 15. Verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him because his father was looking for him, by the way. His father saw him and was filled with compassion, pity for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I am unworthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Why does God love us? When we are so unworthy of his love, why does God forgive us when we are so unworthy of his forgiveness? Why does God help us when we are so unworthy of his help? It's because we're his children. You are his child. You are his precious, precious child. And he loves you so very, very much. More than words can express, more than than words can say. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you, to die for me. Why would he do such a thing? Why would the father run to his son? Because he was his son, because he loved him. First John chapter three, verse one. 
says, how great is the love that God, that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. It is his love that he lavishes on us. I love that word, lavished. He lavishes his love on us. He pours it out on us. He just heaps it on you all day long, every day, all the time. God pours out love. He lavishes love because we're his children. I love going to the grocery store with my son. Because inevitably, I I don't like the fact that he runs around all over the store and drives me crazy. I love going to the grocery store with my son because... I love to buy him stuff. I love the look on his face. I love to give him gifts. Is he perfect? By no means. But I love to lavish on him. I love to hug him. I love to kiss him. I love to give him gifts. I bought him a Perry the platypus yesterday. You smack it and it makes a platypus sound. I can't tell you the number of times he hit that thing against the back of my seat on the way home from the store. I heard it in my sleep. But he loves it. And I love the fact that he loves it. And I love the fact that I love him so much. And God loves us even more. Even more than a stupid Perry the Platypus doll. More than a new t-shirt. He loves us so much that he gave us his son. So how do we have faith when we feel unworthy? What does all this have to do with faith? We have to believe. We have to believe that God loves us no matter what, even when we feel unworthy. You know, I I was thinking about this and I thought about Telly Savalas. Who loves you, baby? God loves you, baby. God loves you. And he loves you so very, very much. The last blank on your outline is a few blanks there. It says, I feel unworthy of God's. What do you feel unworthy of today? How do you feel unworthy? Do you feel unworthy of God's help? Like you don't deserve his intervention? Do you feel unworthy of his forgiveness that I just don't deserve to be forgiven? You have no idea what I've done. God does. And he says he'll forgive you anyway. Do you feel unworthy of his love? I don't believe. I don't believe that God could love me. Sean, what you say sounds good and everything, but I don't believe that he could love me. That's where the faith comes in. That's, I pray that God will remove your doubts and remove your fear and remove your anxiety and that he would just replace it with unconditional love. I pray that you will receive his help, that you will receive his forgiveness, that you will receive his love, that he would open your heart to receive these things because he wants to give them to you. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you've never said, I I believe, you've never said, I I, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow Jesus, if you've never been baptized, you've never received the gift of God's grace and the gift of his love and the gift of his forgiveness, I invite you today. Come, make that decision. Say, I am going, I believe. I believe. I want, I want to believe. I want to have this faith. And even though I feel so unworthy, I believe in the one who, who is worthy, the one who died for my sins. Do you have faith? Do you have faith to receive God's gifts? Do you have faith 
to believe? Do you have faith to trust? Do you have faith to receive? Do you have faith enough to believe in God and take a leap? Father God, we thank you for the wonderful gifts of your grace and your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. Lord, there are so many times in our lives when we feel so completely unworthy. We don't feel worthy of your grace. We don't feel worthy of your forgiveness, of your love or of your help. And I pray that God today, that you would take away the doubts that we may have. God, it's not because we're so good. It's not because we're so great. It's not because we're so lovable. It's, it's because we're your children that you love us so much. Remind us each day this week that we are children of the King. That in your kingdom, we are princes and princesses. Worthy of, of love. Worthy of joy. Worthy of peace. Worthy. Worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. It's because we're your children and you love us so much. Thank you for that wonderful gift. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.